You're listening to the Watling and Owen Show. Hello and welcome to a Tuesday edition of the Watling and Owen Show. Matt Watling, as always, joined by Luke Owens. And Luke, not a whole lot of new news that's happened in the last, you know, 23 hours or so, but some some interesting stories to, to kind of continue on, right? The Yankees lose last night to the Orioles again. Uh, real, real disappointing. They extend their losing streak to, what, three games now. The Mets, on the yeah, other first hand. first three-game losing streak of the year. Is that their first, you said? Yeah. Wow, I yeah. didn't know it was their first. Yes, sir. Well, you got that. Then you've got, of course, the Ranger game tonight. A big game for, for our, uh, not really our bet, but our our, t- our situation, our, our mini, like, you know, spat, I guess to call it. You know, our disagreement on the situation where I've got the Hurricanes in five, you got Rangers in seven. So we'll keep you guys updated on that. Maybe get a little taste of what's going on beyond that in the series. And then the Mets just obliterate the Giants. And, and that was a real impressive, gutsy win because... You could have seen it going a number of ways for the Mets. And I guess we'll start here. David Peterson in that second inning gives up a two-run home run to Brandon Crawford. You know, you, he's not your main starter. He's a guy filling in for Scherzer. You could see it start to kind of collapse in on the team. But right after that, you know, that half inning, in the top of the third, the Mets respond with five runs. And once you get to that point, when you give David Peterson a 5-2 lead, he might not be the best pitcher in baseball, but he's serviceable. And when you give him that cushion, he's able to deliver and, and do enough to at least eat some innings. He ends up not giving up another run, which is important for the team. But more importantly, he goes six innings. And that's a good outing for a guy that's realistically, what, your seventh or I guess your eighth starter at this point? You're, you're eight, now eight deep in your rotation. You've got a guy that can give you six innings? Yeah, it was a really impressive win. And I think this Mets lineup feels almost unslumpable. Like, it feels like the way that they're put together, they're not going to go on one of these Yankee stretches where they play two games in a day and only score one run because they're a team that, you know, they're different. They hit for average. They obviously have some power in uh, Pete Alonzo. But you look at, like, the box score from yesterday. It's like Lindor, RBI, Alonzo, Davis, McNeil, Canna, Mazika, Escobar, and then Davis again. But you only see the same name twice. Like, this is a lineup that's very deep that they all kind of can do similar things. You know, they get on base. They don't all hit for power, which, you know, sometimes could be uh, sometimes can hurt them. But for the most part, I mean, this is a team that feels like they're not going to get in these long Yankee type slumps. Like it feels like even though they're without their pitching staff, their offense is there to kind of pick up the slack. So, I mean, it was it was an impressive win. And I think it just shows that this is a team that they're going to be okay. Like they're going to like they might do more than tread water, you know, over these next 22 games like we talked about yesterday. They they might. And you look at. Even their bat, their team batting average is what the best in baseball or second best in baseball. It's it's really impressive, and and you want to talk about you know the the analytics of the home run or nothing. When when every guy can hit in your lineup, you don't need to rely on home runs, and I think that's super important for a team like the Mets, where maybe you don't have that power, but Pete Alonso's bringing the power. Like he's had a really sneaky good year. I mean, not sneaky, but when you compare him to the rest of the rest of New York, really, you know, Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton, like he, he's right there with 11 home runs. And obviously Judge has 17 and we'll get, you know, in on his performance in a little bit. But for Pete Alonso to put up not only 11 home runs, but to be hitting 288, like that is really special for this team that, again, kind of doesn't have that that flashy superstar, but it's just a lot of guys that can that can kind of pass the baton along. And when you can do that and you stretch out those hits, that's where you score a nice chunk of runs. Yeah, and I think the the biggest kind of evidence of that, because RBI is a very team-oriented stat at this point. Not many people put value in it in terms of actually picking who's the most valuable player. But P. 
Pete Alonso has 40 RBIs. And what that tells me is that the guys in front of him are getting on base so that he can drive them in. Like he's on pace for like, man, I can't, it's gotta be at like 130 RBIs right now at this point, because we've played what 40 games. You know, multiply yeah. that about four times. I mean, he, he's been, he's been incredible. You look at, you know, Aaron judge, 34 RBIs and 17 home runs. John Carlos Stanton, 35 RBIs. So he's got more RBIs than both of them, which shows me the guys in front of him are getting on base and he's kind of cleaning them up. So that, I mean, he's had a great year. Like, like you said, I mean, the year that Judge is having is obviously, you know, warranting a lot of attention right now. But, I mean, Pete Alonso's hitting 288 through all this, too. Like, he's he's really kind of found a stroke after, you know, it wasn't bad last year, but he kind of had some ups and downs. And him anchoring the middle of their lineup is, is huge. Because without him, they don't really have that, you know, huge power threat. You know, they have Lindor that can contribute some home runs. I know Cannon went yard last night, but they're not a team that you're like, oh, man, I got to go Judge, Stanton, Rizzo. Like, all these guys can hit home runs off me. But... When you have that big guy in the middle, it definitely. Right. And how about Colin Holderman last night, Luke? It's his first, you know, maybe not his first appearance in, in the MLB, but it's his first year playing major league ball, and he goes two innings of scoreless uh, work. Like a guy that, again, you need so much depth in your bullpen, you've lost so much to have a guy like him be able to step up and give up just one hit across two innings is is a nice little you know add in for a team that look it was low leverage play, but if you can get you know a random dude off the street who you know, hasn't played much pro baseball to give you innings, especially too. like, that's so important for this team because you don't have the depth at your bullpen that you probably would like. Yeah. And you feel a lot more comfortable. I think going into tonight, you know, you have Chris Bassett on the mound, you know, Wednesday, they haven't announced a starter. So that could be a bullpen type day, whether we see Trevor Williams or, or someone like that, we'll see, but then you kind of pick back up with Carrasco and Walker. So it's, 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 Good to have the depth that the Mets have for sure. And I think that we kind of saw that on display yesterday. Like you said, they could have gotten down uh, in the dumps, but that offense really picked up uh, Peterson. Right. And they haven't even had a slump. Like you kind of talk about the Yankees and, and no. you know, we, and you talk about their slumping offense now, first three-game losing streak of the season. Is it overreactive as a Yankees, you know, fan view or whatever you want to call it, to be sort of really hesitant now? Like it's only been three games that you've lost, but doesn't it feel like it's been so much longer that they've been struggling? I guess going back to what was it last weekend or two weekends ago, I guess when they had like three runs against the Rangers in the entire series and they ended up winning two games. Like, yeah, it, that was, it feels like there's been a streak yeah. of games where they just have really struggled, even if they're coming away with wins because of their pitching staff. Yeah. It's kind of like I was saying with the Mets, they feel like their offense keeps humming along. Like just looking through, uh, I mean, they've lost a couple of games. Like they lost a two to one game. They lost 11 to three the other day, but they're not I'm trying to think have they, I'm trying to look right now. They haven't been shut out all year, the Mets. So, I mean, that that's pretty impressive. They've only, a lot, uh, they've only had two games where they've had one run. So this is an offense that, for the most part, is going to be at least putting together a couple of runs on any given night. And the way they've pitched this year, you have to like your chances in, in pretty much any game. Right. And, and winning that first game of the series in San Francisco is so big. You didn't really have the, the pitching matchup with Peterson on the mound. But tonight you've got Bassett, like we said. And if you can win this game, then, you know what, game three it, – it, I don't say it doesn't matter. Every game matters to some extent, but it's a game that you can afford to lose. You can afford to not tire out your bullpen because you're coming up in a in a stretch of games where you've got something like 13 games in 14 days or something like that, or 16 and 16, something like that, where if you don't have a rest in the next week and a half, two weeks, maybe you go out and you, you kind of punt on, on game three if you've already got two games in the series and the series won. Yeah, it's you know it's gonna be a getaway game. It's gonna be a day game before they head back east. So you'd almost say like go all, not that you're not trying every game like you said, but go all out tonight, get the series win, and then tomorrow it's gravy if you can if you can pick up a win with you know Trevor Williams or whoever's on the mound. Right. And then on the flip side for the Yankees last night, they put out their C lineup, 
with Garrett Cole on the mound, surprisingly yes. enough. And <laughs> real weird game because Garrett Cole pitches eight innings, allows just seven hits, 11 strikeouts. And you're like, damn, this guy must have been incredible. <laughs> but there was a third inning where he gave up four runs and then one in the sixth. And, and all of a sudden, you, you lose the game uh, 6-4. And, and that was the strangest part of it. And, Luke, you're obviously locked into the game. I was, you know, touching in more on the, the hockey games of the night. You know, it sounded like Cole wasn't was like tipping pitches or the guys were just, you know, sitting on his fastball waiting for something to happen. But for it to happen in just one inning is so strange to me. Yeah, the fourth inning was or the third inning, excuse me, was so weird. It was like single, single. Like and it was quick too. It wasn't like it wasn't like deep counts being worked. Like it was like everything kind of happened all at once. And it it was a super weird game because you had, you know, Garrett Cole, like you said, he it seemed like he pitched well, but he had one really bad inning. And then you have Aaron Judge just with another huge night. Like, you thought Aaron Judge would be the lead story with, you know, two home runs again, tied the game both times. like Or first time took the lead, second time tied the game at four uh, in the bottom of the fifth. But it's it's so strange to, to look at, you know, if you're just looking at the box score and say, well, Cole pitched well, 11 strikeouts. Judge had two home runs, and they still lost. Like, it's it's a real weird game to look but at. But the six runs feel like too much? I don't say to overcome. But you can't give six runs to the Orioles. You know what I mean? Like, no, if you're the Yankees you and if you're Garrett Cole, five runs is a lot of runs. Like, that's a lot of innings he ate. Like, that's a that's an okay – that's a really good performance. I'm like, I don't know, a, a fifth starter, you'll take that any day of the week because you're going eight innings. But I would give up two innings of that if you could shave off, you know, those those four runs in the third, you know, or, or three of the runs in the third. So yeah, and I think go ahead. Sorry, I was going to say I think that's a game that you want Cole to be dominant, where you want him to give up no runs, one run, because you look at the lineup last night. Gleyber Torres is hitting a cleanup for you, like because of all the COVID, because of the injuries, because of, I mean the suspension wasn't in play yet because it's a being appealed by Donaldson and B he has COVID now, but it's Torres, kind of Fluffa Hicks. Florial, Trevino, and Gonzalez were, were the end of the lineup. Like that, there wasn't a lot of offensive production coming out of there. So Aaron Judge kind of played his role. He knew that he had to have a big game with all so you know some of their big guys out. But that's a game where Cole needs to to shove. And it's tough because it was like it was one inning. Like you take that inning out, it's one of his best performances of the year. But that inning did happen, and you can't afford. Well, it. Luke. Other than than that, how is the the play, Mrs. Lincoln? Like it's the same thing. <laughs> exactly. You know, other than exactly. the, the the five goals that I gave up, you know. In broom ball, I pitched. Pr- I played pretty well, although I've never given up a goal in broom ball. So just, just right. an explanation or a comparison. Is, is it a little bit on on the Yankees to to rest a bunch of their dudes, knowing how many you know the COVID list is growing, and does DJ need to be you know resting that day? Obviously, you've got uh, you know a, a four game set coming up against uh, Tampa this weekend, right? Obviously, you've got two more games against Baltimore that maybe you could set one of those. Is this the game where you say, hey, look, we're gonna push you a little harder because? We can't afford to lose this game. We already dropped two against the White Sox. We're on a three-game losing streak now, and and you need to win those games with Cole on the mound. And maybe if DJ's in there, he you know you do win this game. Yeah, it feels like one of those games where I, I don't know. I mean, DJ would have been the guy, but I mean, there's like a lot of moving pieces right now. Like Andujar is coming back, uh, coming back up. Like you've got some moving pieces in, in the in the pitching as well. So I, I mean, I guess you could have played DJ, but other than that, there weren't really a ton of options for you last night. Like you know, DJ. It's kind of weird too because he gets the pinch hit opportunity, and but like, it's like well, not, and then he's not even really getting yeah. the day off. So I don't it, know. It's but if, if DJ's in this game, they probably still lose. I don't know I mean, about that. Day. I don't know. I mean, he hasn't. It's not like he's been off the walls great. Yeah, but if he gets year. two I mean, hits, he than, has a good day. If he runs into one, like it's a different story. I have a lot more faith of of him yeah. hitting a hitting the ball than 
you know, I guess Marwin Gonzalez is the guy you could sit or, right? I mean, that's the only guy you're really sitting in this scenario because I think you had, what, Stanton at DH. You're not putting him in the, in the outfield for it. So you're not taking Hicks out of the lineup. Same with Floreal. So it's really just Gonzalez that you sit. And I guess that extends your lineup a little bit better. But I don't know. I think it's a tough look when you have your best pitcher on the mound and you can't, and you can't win it against the Orioles, right? If this is Nestor Cortez or if this is Jordan Montgomery where you never give him run support, maybe it's a different story. But this is Garrett Cole on the mound. And, and something's got to click, whether it's the offense or whether it's Cole. And it's really tough to lose this game. Now, granted, you're still four and a half games up on uh, on Tampa, seven games up on Toronto. You're still playing relatively well. You're 16 games above 500, but this isn't the NL East. Like, this isn't the NL East where every single team other than you is below 500. You know, Tampa's right there. Toronto's right there. And, you know, those are two teams. I, I guess you can kind of say Boston's not quite competing for the division. Maybe they can sneak in at some point, but right now it seems like they're on the back burner in terms of the playoffs. But Tampa and Toronto could r- rattle off 15 straight wins you know, just like the Yankees did a little while ago and they had their big winning streak and all of a sudden they've caught up to you. So it's it's hard for me to be okay with losing a game against the Orioles. Yeah, you kind of have to hope that you're healthy by this weekend because it's going to be Tampa Bay for four games. And I know, I know, I mean, we know the Yankees were fully vaccinated. So you have to hope that Higgy and Gallo, if they're asymptomatic, will be back soon uh, to get to kind of get yourself back to full strength. We'll see how the Donaldson situation plays out as well. But yeah, I mean, they've got, They've got their work cut off for them heading into the weekend. And if they lose this series to Baltimore, they're probably not going to be feeling all that great going down to Tampa. Right. And, and that's a game where if you lose those four, if you take one out of the four, you basically don't have a lead anymore in the division. And the, these first 43 games or so, these four, these first handful of games basically mean nothing because now you're, you're back at you know, 0-0 with Tampa. And, and that's real tough to, yeah. to look at. And you imagine Toronto will win some games this weekend as well. Um, so it's, it's a tough break for this team. And I, I guess, you know, we talked a lot about baseball yesterday. If you missed any of that, you want to dive into more, you know, Donaldson suspension, things like that. I guess the one thing that I want to kind of bring up with Josh Donaldson is, is hearing it go through the, the new cycle. I thought Bart Scott was kind of interesting because he said it was okay. With, you know, calling, uh, Tim Anderson, Jackie, just because he started calling himself that. And, you know, do we start policing guys and spending them for, you know, on field words and i see what he's saying but also if we don't stop this then where does it lead to right if you don't stop the the name calling you know do fans start you know diving into it and then you see you know threats to players or, or you know the fans chanting jackie which i it, it, i don't know like it just kind of rubs me the wrong way so you can say hey it's just words but also you don't want to allow that behavior if you're baseball well, I think it's done. I, I think it's naive to compare what happened to like just a normal name calling. I don't know because it, it like there was a, a a different kind of charge to it, and that's what we talked about yesterday. Like whether he meant to be racist or not, it still has that undertone. Like you know, if you're using other words on the field of play that are kind of you know all inclusive, if you will, if they're going you know no matter what, they're just you know they're words that you throw out there. Like that's kind of what you expect. But if Josh Johnson had called Tim Anderson you know, a name that wasn't associated with him being a black player, then I, then it wouldn't be talked about. Like Tim Anderson wouldn't go to the media and be like, well, Josh Donaldson called me, you know, th- this. And then it, would, it wouldn't be a thing. Like the only reason why it became a thing was because of the word he used. So I think people are taking this like, I don't know, I feel like people are taking this way out, of, like way out. Like one incident happens and people are like, well, what does this mean? Is this going to change everything? It's like, no, it's not going to change everything. It's just because of 
this specific incident under these specific circumstances. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. And I, I think it's just a strange spot because on the one hand, I understand what Bart Scott's saying because this is a way to get under, you know, Anderson's skin. And if you do that, maybe he's not the player that he, you expect him to be. But also in that same vein, there's another way to do it that isn't questionable. There's a way that's, you know, fair and, and you know, and, and okay. You know, there's a line that you shouldn't be crossing and maybe this one, you know, straddles the line where it leans, you know, it leans over one way or the other. And you just don't want to have that sort of, uh, that lack of wiggle room when you're, when you're doing this on the field. Yeah. I mean, it's been interesting to hear most people, it seems like most people are of the opinion that it wasn't racist, but it wasn't the right thing to say. I think that's probably where a lot of people in the media have been falling. Um, but it, it was kind of turned up a little bit by Tony Russa just straight out saying like, Oh yeah, I was racist. And it's like, all right, dude, like how about you check yourself? Like, I don't know if you saw the article I posted earlier today. I mean, Tony Russa doesn't exactly have the the best track record with racism. Maybe he's changed, but I don't know. I mean, he hasn't had an issue with he's Tim Anderson, I don't believe. Right. And, and I think that what he said probably comes from Tim Anderson, right? If Tim Anderson says, Oh yeah, like he called me Jackie Robinson. It's whatever. Then he doesn't blow us out. You know, he doesn't say, Hey, he was racist. If Tim Anderson goes up to him and says, Hey, like, this is ridiculous. This guy, you know, call me Jackie. Like, I can't believe it. And Tony's like, what did you, you know, you didn't like it, whatever. Yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of, you know, racy that I think that that's when Tony Russo would step up for it. You know, I can't imagine he went out of his way to be like, Oh, this is right. Like this is racial. Like this isn't right. Maybe. I don't know. I just, uh, uh, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, no to, to put a bow on this, Aaron, uh, Aaron judge spoke out on it. And I know yesterday you said you didn't necessarily need to hear from him. I'm kind of happy that we did to some extent just because I wanted to see what his thoughts were and I wanted to kind of get to know because he knows he knows about this a lot more than I would right like I don't know a whole lot of this so that's why I like hearing from Bart Scott and different people that are athletes you know that are black athletes as well and and judge goes out there and says it's a tough one joke or not I don't think it's the right thing to do especially given the history between these two guys then he says JD made a mistake he owned up to it and now we've got to move on yeah, I mean, it's it's the right thing to say. It kind of goes along what Aaron Boone said, you know, where he said it doesn't matter what the intent was, it's still a problem. Um, I, the end feels very, like, player-speaky, you know, where he's like, well, we got to move on, you know. It's like, I understand that's how you're going to end your sentence, but it is kind of like, well, you know, we'll see. Like, it'd be nice to move on, but if, if Tim Anderson feels like this is something that is, is still going to be a problem, then it's not just going to be – it's not going to just be swept under the rug after a couple of days. Like, it's still going to make its way, I think, around the news cycle. But it was good to hear from him because he's kind of – I mean, he is the Yankees captain. I mean, he doesn't have only the title, for the next but he is the guy you want to hear from. Yes, he only leaves. for the next 120 games. That's right. Which brings me to my take, Matt, if you want to hear Oh, it. you have a Yankees take? Oh, that's right. Yes. About the, the judge contract. We were talking about it before. That's right. I think Aaron Judge playing this well is going to absolutely kill the Yankees. It's going to kill them because I think they were – I think the Yankees' opinion of Aaron Judge is the same. Like, I think they knew he could do this. They knew he could be an MVP. They knew he could hit a bunch of home runs. They knew that he's able to kind of carry the offense on a given day. But this is kind of going to be almost a signal to the rest of the league. Not that they didn't know he was great, but, I mean, say a team like the, the Giants sees this and they're like, hey – we were thinking about giving him like maybe 250, but man, now maybe we'll give him the 300 to get him to come over here because we know he can be this kind of missing piece. But I think the Yankees evaluation of judge is going to be the same. Like, I think the question was always, you know, why would we pay him when he's 38, 39, 40, when we can have someone else? So I think that's kind of what 
hurts the Yankees in a sense. Does this force their hand into paying him, though? I guess is the question. Well, that's going to be the thing because I think his price is going to go up. Certainly, it's not going to be the same as what he asked for if his play continues. And the question is going to be, will they match whatever you know the Giants offer or you know whoever offers? Then I don't know. That it's going to kill them either way. Either they're paying more than you know they felt like they should, or he's going to walk away and a fan base is not going to be happy. Because I think the fans have flipped. I think on opening day, people were like, oh man, how dare he t- turn down that contract? And now it's, hey, Hal, how about you open the open the bank account? Yeah, for sure. I, I agree with you. And I, it'll be crazy. I don't know what he's going to get paid because he's certainly not going to look good in five years, maybe even four years or, or three. But these next three, four years, whatever it's going to be, he'll be worth every penny. And then it's the matter of, can we take on, can we absorb this hit in a couple of years? Can we move on from it? Yeah. Or do the Yankees say, hey, we'll move on, but we're going to bring in a, bi- a big name guy right back. You know, whether it's, um, oh, what's his name? The guy out in, is it Washington? Juan Soto. Oh, Soto. Are we going to bring in him and trade the yes. farm so that we have our next superstar? We'll pay him like Judge, but he's going to be good in 10 years when DJ LeMay is either off the team or on his last legs, right? When Garrett Cole's on his last legs. So now you've got this superstar now that will can carry Giancarlo Stanton when he's on his downturn. And that'll be interesting to see what the Yankees do moving forward. I don't see them uh, trading for Juan Soto. It just doesn't feel like a move they would make, given how much they they rate their prospects. But maybe if you lose Judge, you're kind of forcing your hand into doing that. Yeah, and you're right. I mean, Soto would be a nice replacement. He's going to cost, obviously, a lot more, but he's a lot younger. Uh, so it makes sense. But I think there is something to be said for, you know, not – offering dumb contracts, but kind of taking care of your own. You know, Aaron Judge is, is one of their own. And I think that's how, what fans recognize. And I think it's why fans love him so much. I mean, Jacaro Stanton's putting up, you know, similar numbers this year. I think Judge is a better overall player, but Judge is always going to get the upper hand because he's he's their guy. Right, certainly. And and we'll move over to the Rangers now, Luke. And, and I was reading some, you know, some stories and whatnot on them. And you know they only have 10 high-danger scoring chances in these first three games at 5-on-5? Five five. That's tough. That's not great. It's not what you want, Luke. It's not what you want, but they still have a chance to come out there and, and play tonight and, and steal game four, if you want to call it that, win game four. And just like that, you're tied in the series going back to Carolina. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Carolina's really, they haven't won a road game this playoff. So I think if you're a Rangers fan, you have to be feeling decent. I mean, I'm not saying you're going to be fully confident that they're going to come away with a win, but I think you're going to be feeling like, you know, you got a good chance tonight. And I know, like you said, the Rangers have not played great at all. I mean, Shesterkin's been great, um, but offensively they haven't been great. But I just think having that home ice, I mean, this to me this is do or die. I mean, if, if you're down 3-1 going back to Carolina, it's over. Ra- wrap it up. That's that's Canes and five for you. Hell yeah. But if they can win this game, then they have to be thinking, you know, maybe we can steal one in Carolina, force it, you know, back to New York and then try to go for the game seven, like I said. So I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a huge game. I mean, you're saying game seven, but everyone's saying it's Rangers in six. I don't know why you're even thinking of game seven. Well, I said Rangers in seven, but you, you but that's out the window. Luke, you won game three. It's, it's going to be Rangers in six. They're going to, they're going to do a quasi yeah, reverse sweep. That's right. No, but I mean, you, you have to like, this is huge. Like it's a huge game. Like this is do or die. I think for the season. Oh, it hundred percent is. Cause if you lose this one, Look, Carolina's really good. Like, they're not the Penguins. Now, if you elbow, you know, every single do, every single forward they have, you know, all their talented forwards like they did to Crosby, maybe it's a different story. Ooh. Maybe it's a different story, Luke. But the the, the series that's really kind of concerning me is that Calgary-Evanston series, the Battle of Alberta. Do you have that in, in Odd Man? 
Not that series. No, no I have some other hockey, but right. not the Battle of Alberta. Well, that that's a series that is is kind of scaring me, Luke, because I did a little parlay action on the four series in the second round, and basically every single one's going to hit. The Canes are up two to one. I'm feeling confident in that. You know, the Lightning already did it. I love it. your Canes confidence. What was that? Oh, it's going to be funny when they, It's going to be so funny if the Canes They're not lose. going to, though. That's the thing. Because they're actually... Okay. Like, I had the Rangers beating the Penguins in, in round one. Like, I was all in on the Rangers in round one. And I was right. But you, you look at the, look at the writing on the wall. They've been outplayed every kind single of. game. You were right, Jace. Sorry? You were right, Jace. What do you mean? I had Rangers in five. You said... Yeah, you said the Rangers were going to smoke the Yeah, Penguins, and they still they won. They not. True. I mean, look, did, they didn't smoke I'm them. not going to take credit for that serious situation. I, I was hoping they'd lose after they blew it in game five, you know, after they're down 3-1. But look, like, this is a team that can get a lot of help from their goaltending, but that's about it. And can Zabinijad and Kreider, you know, luck into a couple goals here and there? Absolutely. They're very talented players. But the depth that they have just isn't enough to carry. You know, you can't trust the kid line to consistently provide offense. They've been great this this postseason. They've been probably the best line consistency-wise all, all postseason long, but they don't have the the grit. You know, not even the grit, just the, what am I, the experience, I guess. Like, it's just such a fugazi thing to say, but they don't have the the killer instinct kind of thing that Sidney Crosby might have, right? When he Or Connor McDavid, for example. He might be a better example because he's a young guy as well. A guy that knows he needs to score and he's going to put his team on his back and dominate. Like the Rangers' third line or second line, that kid line, doesn't have that yet. And when you don't have that I'm, and your top line has been very inconsistent all series long, what are you going to do? Like, what are you relying on? The the one the last thing I'll say is I'm anti-kid line. Just the name or the, the guys on it? The name. The name. I just can't stand There's it. There's a lot it's of kid like lines. like all anyone though. talks about. Can you not create like a better name for it? But they're also not even like – like Philip Hedl's pretty old. Like I'll pull it up here, but he's not a young kid. Oh, he's 22. Never mind. He's been <laughs> around for like three years though. I just don't like the name. Come up with something better. But that's my last take. Big game tonight. Yeah, big game for sure. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. Luke, why, do you want to go into Odd Man Rush now? And maybe we can dabble in a little to. bit of Jets there the as plan. well. Jets? Did we not talk about no, Jets? We didn't talk about the Jets. Oh, yeah, we, we did before the show. Oh, yeah, we'll, we'll get an odd, man. We'll get an odd, man. Uh, <laughs> we'll start with it, actually kind of a sad story. Uh, Dwayne Haskins, obviously, you know, he passed away a few weeks ago. Um, but his toxicology report came back. He was legally drunk. Uh, and he was also on uh, a couple of painkillers, ketamine uh, being one of them. Uh, it's, it sucks because I feel like when this happens, like people are all of a sudden are like, oh, well that like, he, that, he had it coming. Like, not really just because you're, you're drunk doesn't mean you deserve to be hit by a dump truck on the side of a road. But, uh, it's just, this story just keeps getting more and more sad. And I think people need to realize that like, this can happen to anyone. It doesn't have to, I don't know. I feel like so many people just jump to like such major conclusions. And I, I, I know his wife came out and said like, Hey, we need to like, kind of, take a step back here and and remember like he was a good person like just because this one incident happened doesn't mean you know everything is is wiped away yeah like this is still a tragedy you know he wasn't sort of he wasn't driving himself right drunk and things like that like he was out there walking and look should he have done it probably not but that's not the story like the story is still it's tremendously sad that a young man lost his life and i thought his wife was really really interesting when she was kind of had a report you know you know uh, I think she was posted on Instagram or something, and she was like, hey, like, let, let's wait until all the facts come out. Like, let's not jump to conclusions. Like, this is still a young man who lost his life. And 
that's the story first and foremost. And it's just so tragically sad that this happened. And I understand why the information comes out, but it, it just kind of stinks to see this. And then people go, oh, well, you know, why was he doing this? Like, can we, can we wait a little bit longer before we, we do all this or, or better yet, not do it at all? Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. It's, it's a tragic story. Like it's going to be tragic no matter what the circumstances are. And, you know, like you said, it's not like he was driving drunk. He was in a passenger seat. It's just unfortunate that it happened. Um, so, you know, well, it's one of those things like let it, you know, let him rest in peace, you know, one of the, one of those scenarios. But um, we'll, we'll move to a little bit of a lighter story. Joel Embiid, Matt, was named the MVP. But not the MVP of the NBA. Yeah, that the was, MVP that was Jokic, wasn't it? Yes. The, but Joel Embiid was named the most valuable Philadelphian by, by the Philly City Council. Um, so good for him. He finally gets his MVP. Are we really doing this again? Are we really doing this, Philadelphia? Yeah, we're doing it. Like, this This is Philadelphia. Like, this isn't, this isn't Minnesota, right? This isn't, you know, cushy Florida. Like, this is Philadelphia. This is the, the Broad Street Bullies, the tough guys, the physical, you know, hard-nosed players. Like, why are we doing this, Philadelphia? You're better than this. But you know what? No, Philadelphia is not better than this. You know why, Luke? You know why they're not better than this? Why? Because their I don't know. grand, you know, athlete that they, that they pray to like a deity isn't even a real person. It's Rocky. You got a statue <laughs> of Rocky. He's not real. It's not a real story, Philadelphia. Like, come on. Are we really doing this? We're going to praise Joel Embiid for having a, g- a good season with a fake MVP, not even a trophy. This is terrible. You know what else is kind of disrespectful? Bryce Harper literally won MVP last year for Philadelphia. But, you know, I guess, you know, baseball, not the, not the number one sport, but at the same time, like, they already had an actual MVP. So, I don't know. It's like, it's so annoying. Like the whole discourse when the MVP award was announced was was out of hand, and it just it just continues. I like that. That that's funny though. The the little shot at Rocky is is absolutely incredible. It's true. This is true. Is this worse than no? This isn't as bad as Toronto naming uh naming that random Monday John Tavares Day after he got bodied by Islander fans, right? That that one's worse, right? No, that one's or is worse, that better because yeah. at least you're supporting a dude who actually like experienced some pain. Yeah, I get. It. Well, I mean, he was pretty uh banged up, up in that series. I think he regular right. season award. Oh, uh, we'll move on now. We'll talk about a real man sport. That's the NHL. That's right. uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning sweep the Florida Panthers with a two nothing win, and really, it felt like the Panthers were not terribly outplayed. But the Lightning are just so good, like you said, at protecting leads. Vasilevsky was out of his mind in this series, and. They're they're just so good. They're so good. It's hard. it's almost hard to describe how good they are. They the Panthers outshot the Lightning basically two to one in that game. They dominated and they still cannot find uh find the back of the net. It was it was incredible. And I'm trying to find the you know I don't know why I'm on an expected goals kick, but for some reason I am. And there was a stat that I saw, and I'm trying to find it here on Vasilevsky. Uh here we go. In his last six, seven series clinching games, Vasilevsky has six shutouts in them and has saved 16.7 goals save above expected. So in seven games, he's saving almost two goals more per game or more than two goals per game than he should be. Yeah, he's he's been incredible. And I think, I don't know, like, I wonder where they're going to, you know, if they 3 P, you know, where do they rank in terms of, like, 
dynasties in the NHL. Like to win three in a row is is crazy in this day. It might be I mean, more impressive than any other dynasty we've seen. It blows out. Wow. It blows out all of the the recent ones. I'll say that it blows out Chicago. Yeah, Chicago it blows out Pittsburgh. L.A. It dismantles Pittsburgh, who had you know a couple. You know what they had back to back. I think 0708 and then they had a couple more yeah. up here. Detroit, right? Detroit. Detroit had a few in a row. Th- this is right up there with the Islanders. In eighty-two, in the eighties, this is right up there with Edmonton, who never had more than two in a row, I think, or three in a row, but they had like two, then a break, then two, or something like that. And it's probably right up there with Montreal as well. When you can do it in the cap era, the way they've done it, and they've won, I think it's thirteen straight playoff rounds. That is astonishing, like that, or maybe it's ten. That's incredible, and the fact that it's happening, and they can keep their core guys together says a lot about the culture of the team. It says a lot about the guys willing to take pay cuts. And it also says a lot about playing in Florida where there's no state income tax. Yeah, and I think also with Tampa Bay, I mean, they were great before they won the Cup. Like, they were the team that would win the President's uh, Trophy and not be able to get it done. So it's even more impressive that they kind of, you know, we all know about the letter that they that they issued. Uh, a few years ago, and they've bounced back from that, and just I mean they're they're incredible. So I, that was I was asking going to ask you that, and you jumped right into it. Actually, you know where if they do this, you know where they rank in terms of of all those other runs, and they they've been incredible. But, One last note on um, on Andre Vasilevsky, Luke: ten point oh six goals ab- uh, saved above expected through four games against the Panthers. So he's yeah. he's basically spotting you a two nothing lead every single game. Yes. So if the you know. Yeah. If you score one goal, it's like you're basically scoring three because you got those two goals that he's been saving each and every game more than he should. Like that, that's that's insane. Yeah. This is this was a Jake Ottinger level type performance, maybe to a lesser degree because you got a much better team that you're on. But that's as good as Jake Ottinger was in the first round. And and I think Vasilevsky yeah. might win the Smythe if they if they go all the way. Yeah, I mean he's he's been that good, and I mean you have a slew of just great players on on that team and. I wonder, Matt, does this, does this time off help or hurt? It's always the it's question. It's got to help. They're going to have a lot. You, you lost Braden Point, but also, you know, if you expect to win this series and it goes six games or five games, you know, Braden Point's still getting the rest that he needs. So it certainly helps for him. No, it's going to help because they've got a lot of – a lot of. Um, they're pretty long in the tooth in terms of the amount of games they played the last three, four years. So it's good true. to help them out. That is true. And we'll move out west where Avalanche center uh, Nazim Kadri had a huge game against the Blues last night. 6-3 to three win for Colorado. Three goals. That's a hat trick for Kadri. And, you know, we talked about this yesterday, but, you know, it actually came out that some of the DMs that Kadri's wife was getting and Kadri was getting, and they're nasty. I mean, they're really nasty coming at him for being uh, Muslim. And, I mean, for him to have this performance, like, you, you just – you love to see it, honestly. Like, shove it in the face of all these idiotic fans that, that were saying all these nasty things online that would never say it to your face, first of all. And second of all, like, it's not that serious, man. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I, I understand that it's like, oh, man, it's disappointing. You lost your goalie for the series, and, and you're going to be eliminated. But, like, are you kidding me with that? So, good good for Kadri to, to get his last It's night. It's awful. And the fact that the Blues player and coaching staff isn't saying something about it kind of hurts. It kind of stinks because – this is a league that praises hockey's for everyone and this and that and all these things. And then you've got Nazim Kadri getting basically headhunted that entire game. Right? There was a stretch when yeah. the he scored a goal on the five on three where, you know, they you know, him and I think it was David Prom bump each other in the corner. Then they go to get off the ice eventually and they bump again and then a dude 
flies in from behind, blindsides him. He doesn't get hurt or anything. He gets a cross check when he's on the ground. He's getting beaten up like that, which look, that's part of hockey. But to have that on top of these racist attacks, on top of after he scored a goal at one point, David Prawn comes back and, and tries to hit him with a flying elbow after the goal, where if he didn't look behind him before he shot the goal and scored, he would have been knocked out of the game. Like, that's disgusting. If I'm a player on his team and I see a guy take it, take a run at him, that blatant, that disgusting, first off, I'm grateful that he missed and Kadri stepped out of the way. And two, I'm trying to beat and absolutely pummel that player because that's what we're trying to get out of the game of hockey, right? And, and look, this is almost worse than just a random cheap shot from Tom Wilson because this is predicated. Like, this is like, I'm going to go after this guy because he went after my goalie. And it's like, you're going to try to injure this dude because there was a questionable hit. You know, it wasn't even black and white. He didn't get suspended for it. And I'm sure the NHL was dying yeah. to suspend Kadri after the, you know, the history he's had in terms of suspension. So for all of this to happen is just, it's so disgraceful. From the fans berating him on Twitter and Instagram, DMing him and his wife, to the players basically trying to concuss him and hurt him. Like, come on. Come on. Yeah, and talk about taking the high road. He said... uh you know, he did say there weren't racial taunts by the crowd, which which I guess is a positive. But he said, um, for those who waste their time sending messages like that, I feel sorry for them. So talk about taking the high road. I know, like like you said, Kadri's a guy with the, a questionable history on the ice. But, I mean, it, it, it doesn't matter what his history is on the ice. It, that's the kind of abuse that he's getting off. That's It's never acceptable. And last story before we do a little bit of uh, Jets talk quickly to end the show. The, the Celtics with a big win over the Heat. Uh, to tie the series at two to two, but one of the stats floating around and one of the the bigger discourse, something I mentioned yesterday, is these games have been ugly in the NBA. Like they haven't been exciting. You look at the the last seventeen playoff games. I'm not going to read all of them, but last night was twenty. You know, you had a couple of of closer games, nine six nine, but twenty five twenty five eleven thirty three twenty eight. You had a thirty nine a thirty and a thirty five in there. The victory is a nineteen point eight points, and there's only been a total of seven clutch times. It's been rough. It hasn't been exciting. And it's not fun to, to be able to turn off a game at halftime in the playoffs. And you could have turned this one off five minutes into the game. Miami oh, yeah. started out 0 for 15 from the floor. Like, they were after the first quarter, they were on pace for, like, what was it? 64 points or something? They had, like, 16, 16. points or something? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, they had, like, one point for, like, half of the first quarter. It's such ugly basketball. I... Look, they're hurt. They're banged up. I wonder how much this has to do with um, with the, the the bubble season and shortening things up, right? Maybe guys are just fatigued. Maybe they're spent. But it, it's crazy how it's like alternating. You know, Miami spent this game. The yeah. game before that, you know, what was it? Boston was basically spent and gave up. So it, it's weird to see yeah. how this has been happening. That's the weirdest part. It's like this series has, has not – it's two to two, but it feels like every game has been, been awful. So – and I'm not doing this as like, I know a lot of people turn this into like online. They're like, well, this is why the NHL playoffs is significantly better. It's not like, it's not like that. It's just like, it, it's disappointing when all these games are, are ugly and we'll see. I mean, Golden State could complete the sweep tonight and then uh, we have to just, you know, keep enduring these blowouts back and forth until we eventually get to game seven. But we'll end with this, Matt, the, the New York Jets, they've been a talk of the town recently. I mean, we did the win, loss, 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 win game. But Chris Collinsworth said on his podcast that they could be the team that kind of surprises everyone. You know, he mentioned that Zach Wilson's the guy that coming into his rookie year, a lot of a lot of scouts really liked, thought he was going to be, you know, that guy. They added some nice pieces. He mentioned the running backs, the wide receiver room. Um, but the the Jets, Matt, they're hot in the streets right now. What I love about his comment, and everyone freaked out about it on Twitter, you know, a lot of those 
those Jets fanboy accounts that like post every single video of the Jets being talked uh, about got like thousands of retweets and impressions. First off, you know, hope you're enjoying it with your wood paneling background, you you goofballs. But in, in all seriousness, this is the softest take you could have, and I respect it. Because he's not saying the Jets will take this leap. He's saying based that the pieces are there. Right? He said, I feel like if there's a team that can make a jump this year, the Jets maybe are that team. Which I love it because like he's right. Like this could be a team that jumps up and surprises everybody, but they could also be the same old Jets. Right? Or yeah. they could win I... six games. Like this is an exciting team to look at. And I think Collinsworth kind of had it right where he's like, look, this could be a very exciting season, but I'm not going to guarantee it. And it feels like this team is getting a lot of noise when they don't deserve it necessarily, right? Like, we can talk yeah, about I, it because we're in the in in the area, but it's like Orlovsky saying, oh, they can make the playoffs. Oh, this and that. It's like, can we see a little bit? It feels very – it feels like they're getting hyped up like the Browns were even, you know, last season. Yeah, I know Zach Wilson played, like, pretty well down the stretch, but I, I still got to see a lot more from him before I'm all of a sudden saying, you know, he's going to be the guy to make the huge leap. Like – you could say the same thing about Jacksonville. I mean, they had another number one overall pick. Trevor Lawrence was supposed to be that guy. He's going into year two. They had a good free agency, mm. you know. So I, mm? I didn't like it. They spent eighty okay. million dollars on Christian Kirk. I mean, yeah, that wasn't great, but I mean, they they helped the offensive line. Their defense is better. That's true. Like I feel like the Jets' defense is the main talk about. Them. Like, like I get it. Like the offense looks great and everything, and they're gonna they should certainly be better. But I'm not sold in the defense hundred percent. Like I. Obviously, if Sauce Gardner turns into a lockdown number one guy and you get some nice, you know, some help off the edge as well, I mean, they can be decent. But, I mean, that defense is pretty bad. But you're also bringing in, like, five new starters on this team. You're bringing in new safety, two new cornerbacks. um, What is it? Carl Lawson will be there. And then you're bringing in, um, like, a fifth guy, too, I think, whether it's it's, um, Jermaine Johnson or the other dude that they kind of had in free agency. So you're bringing a lot of new bodies. Like, that. that's certainly helpful for this defense. I guess the question is kind of twofold. Is one like, if do you, do you can we consider last year as an actual year for Zach Wilson when he didn't quite have the help that he should have had? You know, they just weren't quite ready yet. If you thought Zach Wilson was the guy when he was drafted, did last year change you so much to think that he can't take a significant jump forward? No, I mean I th- he can definitely take a jump forward. I'm not saying he can't, but I feel like I don't know. It's like it's one of those things where. I don't want to fall into like the trap of the Jets with Sam Darnold, where it was like, you know, they had a good end of the season. It's like, oh, next year is going to be great. And then it wasn't, you know, one of those things. So I, I don't know. It's like, I don't know. Show, show me a little something more, you know? Show well, me a little something. They more. can't right now, Luke. You do understand that. Well, yes, I know. But like, I don't know. Like, look at Zach Wilson's last four games. Like, nine touchdowns, three total passing. turnovers. Come on now. We had 170 yards passing, 102. Then 234 against Tampa, which was obviously a great game. Then 87 in the last game against Buffalo. Yeah, that like, game doesn't like count. He's lighting up the scoreboard. That game doesn't count. No, that game doesn't count. He had like negative 8,000 rushing yards too because he had no one. Sacked all of them. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's that's all I'm saying. I'm not trying to like – I don't know. I'm not being like a hater or anything, but they only had four wins last year. Like you're expecting a, a huge jump if, if you're Olofsky and saying this is a playoff team, especially when – all we've talked about all offseason is how great the AFC is. And but it's like they're not all of a sudden just going to put themselves in that realm. Is there a way, though, that all these teams beat the crap out of each other in the yes, AFC set, in the West? I mean, the South is is a two-team race, realistically, right? Yeah. The North is – I mean, they all could be competitive, to be honest. Like, all those teams could be really good as well. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if any of those four teams won the division. Maybe the Steelers. 
maybe the Steelers would be a little bit of a surprise. And same thing with the with the West, but does that maybe knock them all down peg and maybe they're all, you know, nine and eight, eight and nine. And then just need to find, you know, one extra win, two extra wins to yeah, make a true. push. Right? No, yeah. And and also like the AFC East is not is the Buffalo Bills and everybody else. Like I honestly think two through four is a complete toss up. Because the Patriots didn't get a whole lot better. They still don't have an offensive coordinator. The, the the Dolphins have a brand new coach with a brand new system. Like that'll take some time. They've got the talent. Like they could certainly do it. But you could argue the Jets could do it because they've got some talent as well. So I, I think yeah, two through true. four, it's almost like the the Patriots will be two if Tua stinks and if the Jets can't figure it out defensively. Like that's kind of what it it seems like. They're the team that is has a pretty steady ceiling and floor. It might even be the same. But if the teams around them stink, then they're going to win those games and, and inflate their record. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. I feel like the Patriots' stink take has become Mainstream. the norm at this point. Maybe it's not even yeah. that they stink. Maybe they're just not flashy and good. Like, they're going to be a fine football team. It's not like they're going to win two games. No. Like, they're still going to be, like, around 500 probably. But maybe they dip down a little bit. Maybe they lose those divisional games that last year they win with the extra defensive talent. You know, that yeah. Bill Belichick can out-scheme the talent flaws, maybe you can't do it this year. Yeah, that's true. So that'll kind of wrap up odd man. I'll, I'll hand it off to you. Yeah, well, that's the show. We'll catch you guys next week. We'll have more on the Rangers next week, more on the Yankees and Mets and all that. If you missed a moment of the show, you can catch us on any podcasting platform, your favorite podcasting platform, right? Apple, Spotify, et cetera. And go follow us on TikTok. We'll try to get some more stuff out there for you guys. Uh, I think we've got some stuff coming out. You know, where do we see the range? Maybe a look back on that, things like that. So, Give a listen to the rest of the shows if you missed them, and we'll catch you guys next week.